Not to um, <clears throat> not to belabor the point, but we'll conclude the Zohar's revelation concerning the heir of Rav. And he says the fifth description of the heir of Rav is those Shehem Mizalzalim Be'elu Shenema Behem Vanakim Legagurotecha Dahainu Bisrael Mekaimeyatora. The fifth is those who are mezalzeel. In other words, make fun of, play down. I'm trying to get the Hebrew word for zilzul. That is a perfect word, but it, it covers so much. To cheapen and denigrate, look down upon. Those Jews who fit this category, who are they looking down upon? On the spiritual Jews of Israel. In other words, if you find Jews, including rabbis, who are mezalzeel, who cheapen or denigrate, and all of the other words I've, I've, I've been looking for to describe those kind of people, who denigrate the spiritual, spirituality of, of the Torah. This is the fifth category of the Erevrav. And here, he says, Elu hem shemachzirim et haolam letohu vavohu. These kind of Erevrav Jews are the ones who return the world to its wasteland, its condition before fruition. What does that mean? They are the ones that were entirely responsible for the destruction of the temple. Now, up until I read the Zohar, I was always under the impression that as a Jew, I've got whom to blame. There was a nation referred to as the Romans. Along comes the Zohar and disappoints me. He says that the Romans were not responsible for the destruction of the Holy Temple, but the Jews themselves. And that, in fact, coincides and reconciles itself with the Talmud, as well as the Zohar, which says that the destruction of the temple was for no other reason, not because they, um, they did not observe the precepts, not because they did not keep the Shabbat, or they did not keep the Chagim, or they didn't keep the dietary laws, no. Sinat Chinam which means hating for no reason. Hating for no reason. Can you have a concept of hating for no reason? Yes. That is the fifth category of a Jew. And on this kind of air of Rab Jew, says the Zohar, it returned to a, as to be a wasteland. In other words, whatever we experience today throughout the world in the form of terrorism, destruction, 
uh, inhumanity, suffering, chaos, can all be attributed to that Erev Rav Jew. What was the temple? The temple was, as we have repeated on many occasions, that center of drawing and making the connection with positive energy that benefited not only the Jew, it wasn't there for the Jew alone, it was there for all of mankind. And while the temple existed, all mankind, all mankind benefited from its beneficence from its energy. Uh, came when they brought about the destruction of the temple, they themselves brought about that the earth returned to wasteland. So if we experience today, in our day, chaos and destruction, it is the direct result of those Arab Rav Jews that brought about the destruction of the temple. Erev Rav Alolo Israel. And we are not discussing the Romans. We are discussing the era of Rav Shenitarvu that became mixed in with Israel, with the nation of Israel. They are not separate and distinct. Gormim Churban Betamikdash. And not only that, and not only that concludes the Zohar on this aspect that the redemption of Israel does not depend on any michiyah, in any effacing or doing away with anything that is evil in the world, el amalek, getting rid of this internal characteristic called the heir of Rav Jew, in other words, if you get rid of a guy in Germany, or if you get rid of a guy in Spain, and you get rid of the Romans in Rome, and you get rid of all of the world, right? And then, if we can get rid of everybody, and just we Jews will be left, we will have arrived at Gan Eden, at paradise. The Zohar says, no. The redemption, or peace on earth and goodwill towards men, does not rest upon the facing of all of the other nations, but only on the heir of Rab, these heir of Rab, who are now part of the Jewish nation. You're getting back to the original question that's bothered you with Moshe. Why did he take him in? God told him not to, right? All right? What? What's the catch? <laughs> All right. Now, just to make another point before coming to some kind of uh, reconciliation with everything that we have to deal with, there was a Tana Rabbi Meir, one of the great giants of the during the time of the destruction of the uh, Second Temple, Rabbi Meir. He is referred to as Meir Belalanes. He was a he was a saint, and yet he came from Gerim. He came from converts in the tractate of Shabbat. And I've you've heard this. You heard me say repeat this on many occasions. 
when revelation was supposed to take place, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Again, it was only someone like Moses, obviously, that could feel himself comfortable in dealing with the Lord. In his attempt to have himself taken out of the position of the leader of the nation of Israel and to be the, the channel by which revelation of the Torah would take place. He said there is a soul of a much higher level than I and that you, Lord, should know better to choose him as your faithful servant because his level of consciousness his level of neshama, of soul, is on a much higher level than mine. Who was that? Rabbi Akiva. And where did Rabbi Akiva come from? From a line of converts. Once heard about a book called The Jews of France. And this author... In, in his description, it appeared that every Frenchman is Jewish. And it is not so far-fetched because if during the, or at, during the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, we are told that 100,000 Jews were carted off in slavery to Rome. We don't hear of the death of these people, and obviously... They became mixed into the nation of, of Italy, at least, or the Roman Empire. And therefore, the Talmud makes it very clear, and I guess that this might be a little blow to us tonight, and certainly anyone who is going to listen to these tapes, to the ego of the Jew, that it is only when Elijah shall appear at the final redemption, to declare who is a Jew and who is not. I don't know how the rabbis in Israel or here deal with that question. Like who is to know who is Jewish or not, and who is to decide which conversion is good. But actually there is halacha, and I'm <coughs> going to touch a little on that. I mean the controversy, I believe we... If the controversy exists, it requires some clarification. But nevertheless, if the Talmud felt so, so sure in declaring that it was only Elijah that would ultimately determine who is Jewish and who is not. And it goes without saying that uh, if a certain woman who was amongst those 100,000 carted off to Rome and she ultimately married a Roman, the daughter, and we'll say the daughter that, that was born of that marriage is Jewish, and that daughter married somebody and had another daughter, that daughter would be Jewish, and if in every generation there was at least one daughter, there would be a continuity of being a Jew, according to the prescribed halakha, despite the fact that the father was not Jewish. There would be a continuity of being Jewish, according to the principle and doctrine that if the mother is Jewish, then the child is Jewish. Why 
this kind of, of channeling of, of souls, like Balak and Bilam, like Rabbi Akiva, what would have been wrong, what would have been bad, or, or what would have been lacking if Rabbi Akiva came from a line of <coughs> Jewish parents? What was wrong if Rabbi Meir did not descend from a line of converts? What would have been wrong? I once touched upon that, and that I will simply state what uh, the Ari says in many, in many uh, similar uh, aspects of this question, which must be raised if you, if you really want to understand the Torah, uh, you would ask the question, uh, Abraham, the first Jew, you know who his father was. I mean, idol worshiper and evil and everything else that we can embody into one person called evil. That was Abraham's father. Now, why, why did Abraham have to come from that kind of marriage? Right? Or why did Ishmael have to come from the marriage of Abraham, through Abraham. Why? The answer about Abraham and why his father uh, was Terah is because high souls, <coughs> high souls have their particular battles that are waged on a metaphysical level, states the Ari. And when a soul is destined, a high soul, is destined to reach this terrestrial plane, all of the mikatrigim, all of those uh, evil forces in the world, the evil forces in the world, will make every effort to attach themselves to that kind of soul. Because a high soul means a high channel of energy. And obviously... The demons or shedim or all of these klipot, as they are referred to, must receive their sustenance. And they can receive their sustenance and only receive, in fact, their sustenance is from a channel of energy. And therefore, they would latch on to, let's say, a soul of Aaron, uh, of Abraham. But when they observe the father of this child, they say, how high can this soul? So it's a ploy. So says the Ari. In simple terms, Terah was a ploy to permit this kind of high soul to be able to descend into a terrestrial realm. It's, a, it's an insight to, to many other questions that we could have raised. But if we want to understand why some souls have to come through a particular direction, it is because if they came through the normal channels, Satan would be there and all of the demons and all of the shedim would have, and it would be quite obvious that this is the area where they must concentrate all of their efforts in order to draw some of this positive energy away from these people, from these souls. But needless to say that we experience interchanges, non-Jews, Jews, gets confusing. Like the Talmud says, maybe it's only up to Elio. 
And so we're still not even going to touch that subject because if you recall, we began off by raising the question not who is a Jew, and we're still going to avoid who is a Jew. But what is a Jew, hopefully we shall achieve some kind of, of explanation. Getting back to Revelation. We said that the Jew in Exodus said, Nasev we shall do and we shall listen. And the Zohar raises some very uh, beautiful questions containing, uh, concerning Revelation. The first question he raises, Bore, Katuv Hashem B'Tzeitcha M'Seyeh B'Tzeitcha M'Zdei Adom Eretz Rasha. This is a verse in Isaiah. I believe it's, no, in Shoftim, I'm sorry, in Judges. I believe it's Judges. Yes. When B'Shash Eretzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'Tet HaTorah L'Yisrael, when the Lord wished to give the Torah to the Jews, he first went to other nations of the world. He first went to other nations of the world. In other words, the obvious question that you should have raised when just reading the, uh, the Torah is why wasn't, why wasn't revelation given to other nations of the world? Why, in fact, only to the Jew? Oh, you mean because we're called the chosen people? So what's the next question? Why are we called the chosen people? Certainly not from the description of the Bible itself. Can we even assume that this is a chosen people? If anything else, they are the opposite. But this is the question the Zohar raises. And if you're not sure about the description of what I have said until now about the Jew, and you think I've said then there could be nothing worse that I could say about it, when I say I am, wish to correct myself, what the Zohar explains about the Jew, what Rabbi Isaac Luri explains about the Jew, and what the Bible itself in its description of the Jew. But let us turn to another unassuming, unassuming part of the Bible, because it is the Bible that is the cosmic code, and it is the Bible that is going to provide the code by which we can understand what is going around, or what has been going around since Adam Harishon, or first the first man, Adam, came into existence. Very funny verse, very funny expression in Numbers. In chapter, I believe it's... Uh, Made a note, I think it's 22. No, I thought it was in 22. Um, but it's in numbers. In one of the
chapter 14. Chapter 14. <coughs> Verse 11 and 24. Verse 11 in chapter 14 of Numbers follows when the familiar Jew lifted up their voices and they wept. After the, we studied this in a previous session, when the spies came back from Israel, gave their terrible report, and they all began crying. Vailonu. And again, they complained on Moses and Aaron, all of Israel, Vayomeru Alehem. And the Jews said to Moses and Aaron, Koleida, in fact, twice is it repeated by the word Kol Haeda. I mean, just say the Jews. I mean, Kol Haeda. Make, make sure that you understand, the verse says, that we mean all of Israel. Lu matnu be'eretz Mitzrayim o ba'midbar hazeh lu matnu. Would we have died in the land of Egypt? Or would we have died in the wilderness? Is that the reason you brought us out, Moses? Lama Hashem mevi otanu el You're taking us into the land of Israel, where we shall be slaughtered like cattle? After the disastrous report, they complain. They complain. Moses and Aaron, and of course the Lord, couldn't do much about these giants in Israel who were so strong, and what could the Lord do against them? And they complain. And the complaint continues. And Moses pleads with them. And finally, in verse 11, it says, and I'm going to first quote you the English because... It's not as bad, but when I come to the Hebrew, you will become astonished. In verse 11, and the Lord said unto Moses, how long would this people despise me? Do you know what the word for despise is in Hebrew? What? There are many words. But the one word most fitting on the on the part of the Lord, meaning he wrote, the, he wrote or Moses wrote the Bible, yena'atsuni. From the word Nazi. Now, if it's not that clear to you, I go now to verse, did I say uh, 11 and 24, right? Is it 24 that I say? Yes, yes. 11 and, this is also uh, 24. Did I say 24? Twenty-three. And I don't know if you know how to spell Nazi in Hebrew, but it's Nun Aleph Sadik Yud. So the word is not copyrighted by the Germans. You see, this is a word that existed before the Germans. Where did they get it from? Who? The 
The Germans. Well, I think I know. They called themselves, or well, it was kind of a uh, it was a uh, acronym, abbreviation of the National Something. Uh, right. But in Hebrew, and in Jewish, and in English, it the Z was changed, and it became Nazi. The Cholmenatzai. All those who create problems and despise me. That means anyone despising the Lord. Lo yiruha. None of these people, said the Lord, these people, meaning these Jews, shall ever see me, those who despise me. The word is Nazi. And there's no, there's no way of turning away from, from the word itself. The mem, even here, if you, if you pursue it on your own, the mem is not part of the word because we, without the mem, you could still have the word yina'atsuni. You don't need the mem as part of the shorish, as part of the principle of the, of the word itself. Therefore, to com we're com becoming, I guess, a little more confused, and we're getting the kind of idea that maybe we're not the chosen people. Certainly not from the biblical description. So we return again to this question, which the Zohar now raises rightfully. Why to the Jews? Why not to the other nations of the world? And he answers curtly, he did go to the other nations of the world. And I am reading now again from Pashad Balak, page 54. They didn't accept it. He went to all of the other nations. And then, without going into the study of this part, which again would take us a long while to cover each individual se section. But he did go to all nations of the world, and it says he came to uh, Edom. He says, well, what does it say? He was agreeable. Well, he says, what does it say? Well, it says, Lo tietzach, thou shalt not kill. And we also know that by the principle of the Ariz restriction, that they were told too that, listen, when you kill, you have a certain pleasure, but it's momentary. It disappears a few moments later, a week later. But evil generally doesn't linger on. The taste of evil doesn't linger on. And here, the pleasure of killing, the pleasure of evil, said the Lord to Moses, can be yours if you don't kill. Kind of a... In fact, you might even get more, maybe even double, of the pleasure of when you do kill. By restricting, you'll get double. What was the answer? Listen, this is too deep for me. Too complicated. I like the way things are right now. And so, he says, I think you better go to Israel. We'll find out why they thought. And the Zohar also said... Go to Israel. That's the place. 
that he went to Ishmael. And they asked him, what does it say? It says, well, you know, too much sex. You love sex. A lot of women, right? Getting married and all that. He says, it tells him the same spiel, you know. This is what you'll get. He says, too complicated. I know it means more. But you know what? Go to Israel. Would they really mean the welfare of, uh, uh, and the well-being of Israel? Zoe says, no. No. They figured this is the way they get him. This is the way they get him. And he finally came to the nation of Israel. And the minute what happened, they heard double. What did the Jews say? Well, of course, I'll take it. They were Persians. <laughs> what? Yes. He's telling you. He doesn't say double. But he says more. Look at all the, the rewards, the extra rewards out of not killing, out of not too much sex, out of all of the precepts that say do not, you will get more? Give me. How could you refuse something like that? Uh, but I don't think that's only a Persian trait. No, I don't. Any Jew. I, I would say. Any Jew. Huh? Any. What? Right. But the joke goes on. This is not part of the Zohar. It says, in fact, that's why there's two tablets instead of one. Right? He told them, we'll give you a double. That's why there are two tablets instead of one. There could have been one tablet. Everything could have been written on one tablet, but he figured the Jews wanted a double portion, so he wrote them on two tablets. More enticing. Right? And I, I, I don't want to repeat what else the Zohar says, but on your own... On your own, go out to read it. But in any event, they gave presents to the Lord to entice him to go to the Jew. Make sure he doesn't change his mind. They did everything in that power by bribery and everything else to make sure that the Jew would accept it. And all of them, all of them were in one unified decision. Give it to the Jew. Imagine. I bet the nations of the world never got together on any singular point like they did on giving the Torah to the Jews. Now, obviously, this is not what we have learned, whether it's a yeshiva whether it's in a Sunday school or whether it's a Talmud Torah, this kind of, of, uh, of description of revelation on Mount Sinai, I think, is, is foreign to most of us, right? But that's what it says. And he came to the Jew. And now we understand, in a joke, because this is not the explanation of the Zohar, but that's why they said Nasev and Ishma. Meanwhile, give us. We'll do whatever you tell us. Then tell us what you got to do. But meanwhile, we accept, right? Naseh. So in a joke, we can understand how come we ask the question, Jews are so obedient. Before they hear what's written, they're going to observe. Yeah, but the minute they got this kind of enticement, you'll get all this. They didn't even want to hear what it says. Immediately, they said, okay. It still doesn't give us a full description of what the Jew is really about. It's telling us a lot of negativity about the Jew, but what 
What does that all mean? In Genesis 1, if you remember, on the sixth day of creation, chapter 1 of the sixth day of creation, when Hashem says, Nase Adam, he spoke to the angels, the Zohar says, and it says, Nase Adam b'salmenu v'kidmutenu, and so forth and so on. Let us make man, let us make man in our image. The same word, Nase, appears there too, in the sixth day of creation. But there, it does not fit the translation of the word Naseh in Exodus. Remember we said Naseh, we will do. And that was the question we raised, we will do. Since when are Jews so obedient that when God comes to them and wants to give them the Torah, they immediately say, we'll do. We know that's not the facts of life. The answer is that there is another verse where the same word Naseh is mentioned, where it says, we shall make. We shall make. In other words, nasev in the Shema doesn't mean we will do gladly and then tell us what it's all about. As has been taught to us, I, I would say, all children in lower grades and some even in upper grades and some even who have already received their rabbinical ordination are still under that impression because they would have to reconcile themselves with the other verse that says nasev does not mean we shall do, but nasev means we shall Make, or let us make. And the answer given by the Zohar in its explanation of Naseh by the Jew, when he goes on to this whole portion, which incidentally the Zohar found proper to include in which parasha of the week, should have been a revelation. Where should he have been discussing giving the Torah to all nations of the world? And they said, all go there, and they all refused. And then he went to the Jew, and he explains what, why the Jew accepted and so on. Where should it have been mentioned? At the time of Revelation. In, in, in Exodus, where all of this takes place, why did the Zohar have to wait until Pashat Balak to reveal for us through the coded meaning of the weekly portion of Balak, this kind of revelation. Should have done it before. The answer is, it has to do with Balak and Bilam, <coughs> Amalek. Amalek. When the Jew became a Jew, they were transformed into another kind of people. How do we know that? Because the Torah calls him Anshe Segula. And from there came the corruption, Anshe Segula, chosen people. You ask, I say 99% of, of your rabbis, what does Anshe Segula mean? It means chosen people. The reference to the Jew in Exodus, in many, many verses, if I can give you... Uh, at least one of the verses uh, in Exodus 19 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, Exodus, yes, uh, verse 5, and also in Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 6. Now, we know in Hebrew, the chosen people mean am hanifchad. If you want to say anshe or chosen in Hebrew, you would not use the word segula because segula really means, if you want to translate it, as an otza, as a treasure. Another corruption. How does segula come to being a treasure? My treasured people. That is another corruptive description or interpretation of the word segula. The true meaning of segula means segol. Put the word where it belongs. And if all of you know what segol means, it's one of the vowels of the Hebrew language. And what kind of a vowel is it? For most of you, you know. The three-pointed the three-pointed vowel, meaning meant to be, or what a Jew is meant to be. When he was changed, when they structured him, when there was Naseh, the Jew at that point received the composite of the most profound, intense, I don't want to say large in terms of, 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 of a physical description, but the individual who could handle all that the Creator was prepared to bestow upon his beneficence. In other words, like the difference in a, in a very, and I don't want to use this as an illustration, but just for a, a, a slight understanding, the difference between a five-watt bulb and a two-million-watt bulb. One has a greater capacity of drawing energy than the other. What the Jew received, and when he was made Naseh, he was made into another kind of individual. He was made, he was created. He was reborn again. He was reborn again as an individual, but now with an added dimension of a channel to receive energy. All, all at that point, all 600,000 physical Jews, it says all the Jews, all the Jews. Now it means on Mount Sinai were those Jews who were not even born yet. All the souls were there. And that's very strange. Why did you have to invite all those souls? Wasn't Those were the Jews. 600,000 Jews were there. <coughs> all were present on Mount Sinai. All were present on Mount Sinai so as to permit the total abundance of the Creator to become manifest in this world because it depends on the amount of, of what the channel can handle. If a channel can only handle a small quantity, then the Creator Himself, who was evanescent in, in distributing and, and, and uh, being mashpia, to, to bestow an infinite amount of, of energy, he, it required a vessel of an infinite magnitude. That's what happened to the Jew on Mount Sinai. He was converted into another kind of a vessel. 
you break my trend. And therefore, when we say the Jews said Naseh and Venishma, and we said, but he opened up the mountain, they did not. They did not act in a form of obedience when they said Naaseh. They said Venishma. But what did they say first? Naseh. We are prepared to be made over. We are prepared to take as much as you want to give. And tell us how. And when the Talmud says that the Creator bent over the mountain and said, there will be your burial ground, what he was in effect saying, that if you do not operate on the principle of segula, segol, not that we are chosen. The word segol does not mean chosen, but rather the principle of the three columns, left, right, and central, the most significant of which is restriction, that the Jew would have to set the example of restriction, and if he did not set the description of restriction, as it is completely elaborated upon in the Torah, that they forgot yesterday, there was no restriction. They needed water, give me water, complain. Whatever they needed at that moment, they complained about. Where's your restriction? Do you remember? That if you do not restrict, you will burn not only yourselves up, but you will burn the whole world along with you and, and bring it into chaos. So it is true that when the nations of the world said, give it to the Jew, because they, that was the one way to get rid of him. That will burn him up because the Jew is going to go into the restriction. We know what the Jew means. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <coughs> no restriction is what the Jew intrinsically is. But that he would have to work on it because he wanted everything. There's a price for everything you want. Nothing comes without restriction. So when the Lord bent over that mountain, he says, now look, that's where you are. You are now capable of acting as a channel for the infinite beneficence that I want to bestow upon this whole world. Not only for you, but for all nations of the world. But remember that if you do not, if you do not adhere to the principles of restriction, sham tehek vudatam. That will be your burial site. You're going to be burnt up immediately. There's no saying, I'm sorry. You know, it's like the burnt out generator that's in the filament didn't operate and it says, I'm sorry. But meanwhile, the bur building burnt down. Meanwhile, there's chaos. And in every situation, whether it was the destruction of the temple, whether it was the destruction in Germany, the whole world suffered and ran into chaos. It was not six million Jews. It was 20 million people. More than six million. But this happened to be one. Why? Because they're the core. They're the core. And this is what the Zohar and this is what the nations of the world knew in advance. They felt and suspected that the Jew could never restrict because if he's given this enormous desire to receive, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. Therefore, they said, look, I'm very satisfied with that very minor desire to receive. Very minor desire to receive. Don't change me over. Don't give me a new physical description. That's what Jew means. The physicality must reconcile itself with the soul. A soul 
that if this soul was a high soul, and it could have been anybody, it could have been a Jew or a non-Jew, when you're talking about souls, we have already learned from the Ari, they are interchangeable. We have learned that from the Zohar, that Balak and Bilam are Erev Rav. They represented Erev Rav. We have learned from the Zohar that there are Jews who build Bet HaKnesset, not for the purpose of spreading spirituality, but for themselves, creating their own edifices. This is clear from the Zohar and clear from the Ari. That is what a Jew is. And if he does not conform to that principle, the Talmud says immediately, it was not a threat to the Jew. You better take it. Or it was only an illustration. It was only a parable, a narration that, look, this is what's going to happen. Now that you said Naseh, you prepared yourself to be that kind of channel. There's a price for that. And if not, you're going to be buried with it. That very same principle of revelation required a new transformation, a new rebirth of that nation, a new rebirth of that nation. But along with it came the principle of filament. The same thing that ha must operate in a generator. Because if a generator blows, and the only reason it blows is because the central column, the restriction of that generator is faulty and creates chaos in an entire building or an entire city, so was it with the Jew. So was it with the Jew. Therefore, Shem Ratam is not interpreted any longer as a threat and therefore accept the Torah. They did that immediately. Soon as they heard what it was all about, of course they accepted it. Who doesn't want infinite beneficence? The Jew doesn't want it all. They wanted it all. So they said immediately, yes. The non-Jew, he might have been smarter. He might have been smarter. He says, look, make me a little less, meaning less desire to receive, so I'll get less. But at least when I burn, I don't burn out completely. The Holocaust will not center around me. What's that? It, did. it, burned, it burned another uh, 14 million. Only because when the generator blows out and the core, you know what happens with uh, a reactor in Chernobyl? Sure, it's going to affect everybody. And so maybe this conspiracy is not so wrong on another level this conspiracy, but they're, they're speaking not in terms of intelligence, not in terms of, of knowledge, but in terms of a, maybe an inner hatred for whatever it is, which is also an, a natural anti-Semitism, is an unnatural <clears throat> development in history for hating Jews, for there's such a, an insignificant number of people that exist in the world. Hate, hate others who are greater in numbers. Rav Segal is also purple. There's got to be a connection. There is, there is. I, I don't want that, but there is. Okay? Therefore, we can begin to understand what we mean when we say that <coughs> souls were present on Mount Sinai. Souls were transferred. And the dispute between Moses and the Lord was he realized the error of Rav meant what? The Arab meant those who had a greater degree, who were souls, who were Jewish souls, but had fallen into 
the, what we call the klipa, the desire to receive for oneself alone. Moses knew ultimately that these souls would have to make their tikkun. Because without the tikkun of the heir of Rav, without the tikkun of the Jew, and we, we find more of it today, more hatred amongst Jews, or I should say maybe not more, but at least that which existed at the time of the destruction of the temple, where Jew hated the other, where, where there even Josephus declares it may not be true, that two Jews were arguing with each other, and one says, there comes the Roman and wants to take our head off with, this, with his sword. He says, no, I'm going to get my last point in. And he took the head off of both of them while they continued to argue between themselves. This was a story that he, he tells in his writings. In any event, the reason why souls we, we understand now had to come down that way because in addition to being Jewish, there would be that kind of Erev Rav involved if this was a high soul coming down, and therefore his father had to be Terach. That's understandable. The same reason Moses felt, maybe, there was no dispute here on the, on the, on the essence of the principle, all Erev Rav Jews have sparks in them, that's why Bilam. <laughs> has to be incarnated into ultimately a Jew because the tikkun must come about. It may be painful, but it must come about. Moses wanted to speed up the process. And he was telling him, I don't think the process can be speeded up. It's got to take its tone. But Moses, so there was not really a, an argument, but Moses was probably right because look how close we are to the end. And as the Zohar says, the end will come either through a ball of fire, putting an end to the whole show, or we all do the right thing and bring the Mashiach. But we are the ones who will bring Mashiach. Not he will come by his own virtue. Therefore, Moses realized, and he could see ahead, and he was shown, in fact, says the Zohar, in a previous Pasha, he showed him all the heads of the Jewish people. Why do you have to show him all the heads of the Jewish people? When he showed him who was going to be, <coughs> Moses felt probably, and this is my own interpretation, you can give any that you prefer, that with these kind of people leading the Jewish people in the age of Aquarius, and there'll be such chaos by these rabbis and leaders, as it says in the Zohar, he says, look, why do we have to wait? 3,000 years, the same chaos that will be there. Let at least the ones that maybe can do it get it done quicker, and the ones that would, cre would be creating chaos will create chaos throughout every generation, as it was, as it was, and as it still is, as it still is. Where the most rebellious and most negative attitudes towards the rebirth of spirituality <coughs> in Judaism stems not from the people themselves, but from the leaders. That's what Moses saw when God showed him the leaders. And so therefore he said, why wait? Whatever's going to happen later is going to happen now. So maybe it'll work out quick. And by that process he thought he could 
bring it maybe immediately. But whoever was there and was a real Jew and did their job of Amsugula would accomplish it. Now we only have a few minutes, a few moments left. Five minutes. It's unfair, but I do want to touch upon another important subject, and that is conversions. Without getting into the politics, because we are a spiritual person, never, <coughs> never will enter into, into politics, because spirituality has no place in the realm of politics, and politics has no realm, it has no place in the realm of spirituality. However, the Zohar makes this statement, and it's not a statement that many would like to declare, but I've declared so many things tonight, so I'll declare, I'll throw out another, another little time bomb. The Zohar says, in one place, that in the age of Aquarius, Gaidim will be kisapachat. They will be like a plague unto the nation of Israel. What does that mean? Plague? What he says. Yet, the Zohar does not deviate from our previous discussion. That Gerim have existed, and he has demonstrated it and has explained the way why souls, certain souls, must come through that way. They couldn't come any other way. And the Ari says that Gerim, Gerimit, that means true Gerim, always begin with a higher level of conscious of spirituality. They never begin with, there are three levels of consciousness. There is Nefesh, Ruach, and the Shema, no convert, no convert ever begins because of its level of consciousness on the level of nefesh. Immediately comes into the, this congregation of Israel, which we now have explained to some extent, as ruach. Because they are always of a higher level of consciousness, and they feel the necessity of taking on this rebirth. What do we mean this rebirth? Because whatever, however you do, and I'm not going to go into the halakhot. You can address yourself to a competent rabbi if you have a conversion to be done. You speak to a competent rabbi. I'm not saying who's the competent rabbi. I'm not getting into that. But whoever he is, there are certain physical uh, uh, doctrines, there are certain physical laws that the convert must go through. But... Whatever that means is basically one aspect. That the soul of this non-Jew, like Rabbi Meir, understood, felt beyond any shadow of a doubt that it was a Jewish soul that couldn't make it, that couldn't make it in the last lifetime, couldn't even make it now. And they sent them back as a non-Jew to become a Ger Tzedek. What is it? Why do we call him a Ger Tzedek? Right away, a Ger Tzedek. Maybe he won't be a Ger Tzedek. Because if he's really a genuine convert, then what he has done is like I always tell my, my chief editor, who is non-Jewish, 
They'll never feel great about being non-Jewish. You were Jewish in a prior lifetime. You couldn't make it, and they sent you back here now with a lesser, a lesser desire to receive. So that's why you're so gentle and you're so kind and all those great things. But don't think that's an attribute for you. You failed before. So when a convert feels that he wants or she wants to become a convert, <coughs> this is an inner expression. This is not, well... I'll become Jewish, as someone once expressed to me. The family insisted upon it. It shouldn't, it can't, that's not what we're talking about. If there's got to be a genuineness that comes from internal, an internal aspect. But, and it should be understood, because Rabbi Shimon and, and Moshe Rabbeinu speeded up the process. Get all, get all these non-Jews. There's a rabbi in Mexico. In Mexico. I, I don't want to discuss where in Mexico, because people would know who I'm referring to, or maybe people know who I'm referring to, speeds up the process. He feels this is his calling, and he speeds up the process. Anybody who he says, comes to him and says, I feel internally, spiritually, I must become Jewish, that we should understand is what the Zohar is referring to, and the Talmud refers to as Gerd Sedeq. When the Zohar says kisapachat, we can have the other side of the coin that we have met a convert who is so religious, he is so religious that everyone else is pasul. You see? There is nobody as holy as he. There are those. That is whom the Zohar is addressing himself to. That's kisapachat. That kind of Jew, uh, we've got enough enemies, we can do without him, Right? That's what the Zohar said. This also can happen. That he falls down again like he did in a prior lifetime because he was a hateful individual in a prior lifetime. So they sent him back now with that lesser desire to receive, which constitutes the difference between Jew and non-Jew. And now he felt the need become Jewish, meaning he felt that he, re he required, he wanted this conversion, meaning what? What does conversion mean? You accept one religion to it? No, rebirth. There's a spiritual and physical rebirth of the individual. And I hope with this understanding, things will become even a little clearer as to who is a Jew. Okay.